Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is the podcast that provides empowerment, inspiration, and education for older adults to thrive in their golden years. It's produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible through the generous support from Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Positive Aging. I'm Patricia Raskin. We know that good nutrition helps prevent chronic disease throughout our lives. In our older adult years, there was a greater risk for chronic disease and health conditions related to changes in muscle and bone mass, such as osteoporosis. The good news is that it's never too late to make improvements to support healthy aging. Today, we're talking about nutrition and positive aging. My guest is Beryl Henze. She is a registered and licensed dietitian in the outpatient nutrition department of South Coast Health. She has led the nutrition team at Charlton Memorial for three years. After completing her bachelor's degree at the University of Rhode Island, Beryl trained at Massachusetts General Hospital and went on to work in New York in long-term care and critical care and nutritional counseling. Beryl's previous career was in the restaurant and wine world, where she ran a two-star restaurant in New York City. She wrote award-winning wine lists, catered hundreds of events, and managed a tasting room at Sakonet Vineyards in Little Compton, Rhode Island. As a dietitian, Beryl Henze translates nutrition science, and she combines that with a love of food and cooking into practical advice. Welcome, Beryl. Hello, Patricia. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, let's talk about you know, some special needs for people over 60, 65 that you feel are just general needs? Yeah, so the, the biggest one that comes to mind is the increase in protein needs. And the difficulty is that as people, as people age, as they retire, they might go on, on they might be on less of a regimented uh, schedule. So eating becomes maybe ad hoc. They're just sort of getting up later, maybe not eating what they were having when they were in their working life. So a lot of times um, they're not taking in enough protein. It's also concurrent with changes in dental health. So for example, if people have difficulty chewing, they might not be eating as much, um, you know, meat, chicken, things like that. Um, there's also been a lot of confusion in terms of um, should you be on a plant-based diet? Should you be? That was my question. Protein? Yeah, that was yeah. my next question. Which kind of protein do we need? And yeah, does plant-based so, suffice? Yeah, it's 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 interesting because as we age, you one can lose some ability to uh, metabolize vitamin B twelve, for example. Um, you may lose. Uh, some ability to absorb iron um, and you may have, there may be some ramifications of eating a lot of animal protein on one's kidney function. But on the other hand, um, and let me just say that, that, you know, the research is very clear that a plant-based diet um, is beneficial for most people. I think as we age, we need to look at, are we getting the, the appropriate nutrients? Mm. Part of that, the great, you know, the great thing about eating meat is that animal protein is the most bioavailable. Um, so you can eat 
less meat and get a lot of bang for your buck. Whereas if you're going plant-based, you need to be much more meticulous about getting enough protein in. Beryl, what I'm hearing you say is that one size doesn't fit all. Absolutely. Right? Some people can handle more meat and it depends on your system too, as well, your composition, your body chemistry. Absolutely. Now, what are you finding um, are some common issues that you hear with healthy patients who are older adults? You know, healthy patients who come in nutritional counseling, but they have issues. What are you hearing from the healthy patients? So a lot of it is um, issues with GI function. So whether it's constipation, diarrhea, bloating, um, gastroesophageal reflux. I think what happens is, particularly with um, folks who are hitting their, you know, mid-60s, late-60s, early 70s, a lot of these conditions, there's been tons of research, even in the last 10 years, there's been a lot of um, changes in how we're dealing with it. And I think a lot of people just go through, have these issues, and they don't think they can do anything about it. Eh, you know, I've always been dealing with this. Yes, yes. It's normal. You know, and I'm, and I'm here to tell you, it's, it's not normal. So, you know. Uh, uh, and another less- thing I'm hearing you say is it's never too late to change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I've had patients where just the initiation of good sources of soluble fiber throughout the day clears up their diarrhea. Mm -hmm. And they're like, I, I, (laughs) if only I had known, you know, 20 years ago. Um, Sometimes it's a matter of finding out what your intolerances are, right? So everybody just assumes, well, it's gluten or lactose. And that may be true, and it, but it might not be true. So let's say, for example, you have a meal with dairy, with cheese yep. or dairy, and then you have an upset stomach. Yep. And three days later, you have another meal with dairy and, and it doesn't bother you. And then, so it, and it's hard to know because it's not consistent. How, do you, how can you tell what these intolerances are and what your body needs? Do you listen to your body? You, do you get tested? So there's a variety of modalities. Um, there are certainly tests for, you know, obviously celiac. Um, there are tests for lactose intolerance. There are tests for different carbohydrate intolerances. Uh-huh. Um, what I usually do with my patients is some um, some level of an elimination diet. In other words, a lot of this, Patricia, is, and you know, just to back up a little, a lot of this is paying attention. Yeah. So it's it's. And, and, you know, I'm going to bring that word out, mindfulness, right? So with an elimination diet, you're basically writing down everything that you eat for, let's say, a week. And what I have patients do is track their symptoms. So when, if you're having GI symptoms, when is it? What is it? How often? What, you know, and then we, I can start connecting the dots and say, okay, well, I think it might be this but it's probably not that, you know? All right, so let me just ask you, when you said an elimination diet, you mean that you take one thing, like let's say wheat or gluten, and you take that out of your diet for a week, right? Yep. And, you, and you do one thing at a time, right? Yep. Rather than gluten and dairy and sugar. Absolutely. Right? And then you track how you're feeling when you've taken that out of your diet. Exactly. Okay. So if the, pro- if the problem is dairy, for example, and you, let's say you have, you know, you have chronic diarrhea and um, 
Um, and you just sort of assume, well, I know my tummy feels a little weird when I have this, you know, but this is a targeted intervention where you eliminate, you eliminate dairy for a week and you, and you see how you feel, you know, you're sort of experimenting on yourself, <laughs> if you will, and you see how you feel. And then what you can do is start adding gradually in sources of dairy I would always start with lower lactose sources and then build your way up to something that's mm -hmm. high in lactose, like mm -hmm. milk. Um, so, yeah, so it's it's playing around with doses, with types of, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, high lactose, low lactose, and then seeing how you feel. So here's my question. I always try to come up with, you know, what are listeners thinking? I can hear a listener thinking, well, this sounds great, but I don't feel like doing that. I'm watching my grandkids. You know, I'm busy um, taking a trip now that I've retired and I don't want to track everything. This sounds too difficult. Sure. What do you say to that, Beryl? So the, so the, so the, so we'd say two things. One, the benefit to, to finding out it's, it's going to give you more information and it's going to allow you to restrict less. Because if you know what the problem is, then you don't say, well, all dairy, all dairy is bad. You know, mm -hmm. all dairy makes me feel terrible. Because it's that's probably not accurate. The second thing I would say is that, like you said earlier, it's never too late to make changes. Um, and I think especially when people get to this age, they've spent their entire lives working on their careers, you know, working with their, in their businesses, raising their kids, some raising their grandkids. And it might be, you know, I would, I often say to people a lot of times, it might be time to create some time and energy for your own health, mm -hmm. prioritizing your own health, because no one else is going to do it for you. And, and maybe also, Beryl, looking at this and it reframing the way you think about it instead of, well, this is just so much work and I don't have the time. Gee, yeah. I'm going to be better for my family and my grandchildren. I'm going to exactly. be able to do more with them. Exactly. I'm going to feel better after we have meals together than walking away from the table and not feeling well physically. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So a little, a little bit of time, um, you know, doing some investigation, finding out what exactly is the problem can, like I said, you can end up restricting less and being more confident mm -hmm. um, that, you know, you're going to be able to go out to a restaurant with your family. Okay. You know, I've had clients who they, you know, they're, I've had wonderful patients that are in their eighties and are literally going out partying, having a great time, you know, with their families and going out to meals and they want the freedom to be able to go out to eat and not be afraid that they're going to yes. have to run and yes. find the ladies room. Um, and so I've worked with some of these patients and it's been really gratifying because we find out, Oh, it's this. <laughs> it's yes. actually, wow. Yes. Now we know what it is. Right. And sometimes it takes a little while. Right? It, does it does take a little while. Yeah. yeah. So what time does it matter what time of day you eat? In, many times we read that you should eat during the day and not heavy at night. Yeah. And does this particularly matter for older adults? So again, Patricia, it's definitely individual. Um, I would say in general, it's probably a good idea to 
and if you can manage it with your schedule, you know, which is what should be one of the benefits of being retired is that you can do whatever you want. Um, it, it's in a lot of ways, it's, it would be, yes, it's beneficial to eat a larger meal earlier in the day mm -hmm. and then dine a little bit lighter at night. Okay. So that's particularly important with certain conditions such as constipation, mm -hmm. um, you know, abdominal bloating, pain, um, you know, um, and also, and also definitely, um, you know, we, when we talk about reflux, which a lot of older adults suffer from the gastroesophageal reflux. So anything where you can shift some of those, um, calories and nutrients to, yeah, absolutely the middle of the day. All right. So if someone has the reflux, for example, yep. um, maybe take a walk after dinner, right? Absolutely. Or eat earlier. Yep. Or so that it's not building up in your system, right? When you go to sleep. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So yeah, okay. physical activity is really key to digestive health. This podcast is made possible in part by Cochlear, the global leader in implantable hearing solutions, helping people of all ages to hear and connect with life's opportunities. To learn more, visit www.cochlear.us slash aging. What about foods that cause inflammation? Do certain foods cause inflammation, um, you know, and to help us with arthritis or osteoporosis or any of our joint issues that mm -hmm. can be inflammatory? Do we recommend certain foods or certain diets for that? Mm -hmm. So there's no medically recognized diet for rheumatoid arthritis. Um, What's recommended in terms of an, an anti-inflammatory diet is actually what's commonly known as the Mediterranean diet. Um, and essentially that you're talking about lots of fresh fruits and vegetables, whole grains, lean proteins, nuts and seeds, um, you know, um, healthy fats, um, getting away from added sugar, um, processed foods, and excessive amounts of alcohol, right? Mm. So, so now what, what, what you're saying right now is really good for everybody of any age. Absolutely, absolutely. Particularly for older adults, it's good because of the issues with um, inflammation, because of the issues with reflux. Yep. Is that why this is particularly important? I guess the real question is, do we have to pay more attention as we get older because of these issues? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, the the role of a healthy diet in managing chronic conditions cannot be overstated. It's it's really, and I've seen the proof in my office where you know people make a couple of changes, and they come back and they say, I, I have more energy. I feel mm -hmm. more clear. I feel um, even if they haven't lost weight, you know, they're like, I just I just feel good, you know. Um, which speaking, is go ahead go ahead yeah, no, it, it, that's and that's um that's a good goal is to feel better <laughs> and speaking of feeling better mm -hmm. you know someone might say well you know there's seven diet there's seven programs here i can be gluten-free i can be dairy-free 
I can be vegan. I can be vegetarian. Mm -hmm. I can be meat-based. I can be paleo. I can do Mediterranean. How do I know? So is a lot of this trial and error that you figure out on your own as you go along in your journey, or should you go to a dietitian or a physician or a healthcare practitioner to say, based on what you're telling me, this is what I think, or is there testing for this? So I think it's, you know, if you have a, a specific chronic condition that's affecting either your ability to eat, your ability to digest, your weight, I think it's a great idea to see a dietitian, absolutely. Um, there are many practitioners, uh, you know, physicians, GI physicians, who can also guide you. Um, a lot of the, a lot of our GI practitioners, they just they send people to me. You know? mm -hmm. um, so we work, we work together on it. You know, so there might be medications that are appropriate, but most of my, you know, our docs are absolutely diet. Um, diet and physical activity, that's where you start. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's it's very individual. You know, answer your question, there's no one right diet for anybody. A lot of this now, remember, a lot of this is based on, you know, what, what your individual needs are, but it's also based on individual preference. Yeah. So if somebody who hates vegetables for whatever reason, you know, comes in and I say, well, you have to, you should follow a vegan diet. That's not obviously not going to work for them. So I'll work with them on healthy ways to have, you know, a, a more meat-based diet. If somebody comes and um, uh, is having problems that might be related to an excess consumption of red meat, for example, I'll work with them on introducing, mm -hmm. you know, vegetarian-based meals right. a couple nights a week. Right, right. And something you're saying, I think, is really key. You talk about introducing it. You, you don't force it on them. You don't say, <laughs> well, you've got to cut back on your meat because you know what that happens. <laughs> That's like saying you can't. So what you're doing is you're working with people with their preferences and gradually, correct? Yes, absolutely. And I think a lot of people are, um, you know, um, they really think when they walk in this office, I'm going to hand them a diet and say, you have to eat this, you know? And that's definitely not what I do because mm -hmm. I work, you know, you work with people. It's gotta be, it's gotta be um, food that people like, right. food that is accessible to them, right. food that they can prepare or their, their, whatever it is, their caregiver, their family can mm -hmm. prepare for them. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not gonna tell someone who, like I said, my 83 year old lady who was out partying now, I'm not going to tell her, well, you can't go out to eat anymore, you know? Right. What I'm going to talk to her about is, okay, what are safe foods and what, are, what, right. what things are right. going to send you, you know? Beryl, what about vegan versus vegetarian and organic versus non-organic? Those are big ones. Right, right. So I'll start with the organic. So organic versus non-organic, you know, there are a lot of great reasons to uh, to purchase organic foods, you know, milk, produce, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a lot of those are environmental, you know, and how you come down on that. In terms of nutrition, there is, there is a line of thinking that th there's some thought that organic produce may have more of the nutrients 
um, present. There's not a lot of evidence to back that up that, you know, organic versus non-organic in terms of nutrient content, clearly uh, organic produce would be avoiding pesticides. So mm -hmm. that's, that's really, you know, what, what we're talking and about. And what about the it's, farmer's market? Would that be really a good place to go? Even so if the, it's not so organic? The, yeah. So the thing about the farmer's market, you're dealing with not necessarily organic because keep in mind, or when you get the USDA seal for organic, that's a very complicated, expensive process for a small farm to go through. So a lot of them just don't do it. What you get at the farmer's market is local, right? So now we're talking about food, vegetables that are, that are really, you're literally getting them the day they were picked. There's nothing fresher than going to your local farmer's market. The reason I started eating at farm, from farmer's markets and farm stands is because the, it tastes better. <laughs> This podcast is made possible in part by Greenwood Credit Union, which offers locally based full service banking where our focus is on you. To learn more, visit greenwoodcu.org. Let's move on. And before we close, I do want to talk about vegan versus vegetarian because the vegetarian does have the dairy component and the vegan doesn't. Right. And so, and there's also a controversy on cheese, eating too much cheese. Mm -hmm. so I want to talk about vegan versus vegetarian for a minute. And then the big S word, the sugar word. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, um, so in again, in terms of vegan versus vegetarian, there's lots and lots of evidence that a plant-based diet is extremely beneficial for almost anybody. Uh, particularly older adults who might be dealing with issues like high cholesterol or hypertension. Okay. Um, so, so vegan versus vegetarian, the thing with, with veganism, particularly for older adults, they have to make sure they're getting enough protein, enough B12 and enough calcium, which can be challenging on a vegan diet. Having said that, it's perfectly, uh, you're perfectly able to do all of that as a vegan. The vegetarian, you know, it, it includes the dairy component. Um, and there's where, you know, a lot of people walk in here and say, well, dairy's bad, right? You know, like, well, there's, so separating the, the whole belief of whether or not we should be consuming dairy, which is a whole nother mm -hmm. long conversation. But, yes, it is. But in terms of dairy, what happens is people become a little lactose intolerant, which is just a lack of the enzyme to break down dairy. So if you can tolerate dairy, it's it's still a you know protein packed, calcium packed, mm -hmm. um, very nutritious. If you can tolerate it, and if you if it fits into your sort of worldview, right? Um, in terms of the cheese, again, so the issue with cheese is not even lactose because it's actually low in lactose. All right, most cheeses. The issue is the fat yes. so, and the calories. Yes. So what I would say is cheese is an excellent, wonderful, fabulous food in moderation, okay? And in okay. small, smaller quantities at one given time. All right. Which makes pizza, right. pizza's problematic. Yeah. Sorry. And a lot of people love it. 
I know. All right. I just want to summarize a couple things here with gluten-free versus gluten, because mm -hmm. um, the whole idea here is that, um, you know, as you said, if someone has celiac disease where they don't have a tolerance for gluten, that's one thing. Yeah. But I think you you have talked about, you know, just the um, understanding the impact of having too many carbs. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. it's um, whatever kind of carb carbs it is. So we want to look at that. Correct. Absolutely. So I think when people go gluten-free and they feel better and they lose weight, I, I think a lot of times it's because they've gotten a lot of the, a lot of the fluff out of the diet. So meaning the rolls, the giant bagels, the donuts, the pancakes, um, the granola bars, all of these sort of extra carbs, a lot of which have added sugar, you get a lot of that out of the diet. What I don't like to see is people buying a lot of the processed gluten-free products, mm -hmm. which a lot of times are not healthy. Okay. So if you can go from um, more processed carbohydrates, which are gluten-containing, to unprocessed everything, then you're, okay. you're much better off. All right. Before we close, I have to ask you, Beryl, about <laughs> alcohol. Drinking okay. alcohol and wine in our older adult years. Yep. So... You know, as a rule, I would de defer to a physician on that. But what I can say is the, the recommendations are very clear that, you know, it's, it's one drink a day for women and two drinks a day for men. Any more than that, you lose the benefits, right? So there's, 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 there's a lot of different research that talks about the benefits of very moderate alcohol consumption. Having said that, we do not recommend, if you don't drink, we don't recommend you start drinking. Okay. Um, because that I think that, the, that you know, alcohol is very tricky and um, the risks can very quickly outweigh the benefits. Mm -hmm. You also need to be careful when you're on um, medications because right. that can right. interact with alcohol. So you really need to pay attention. I mean, that's what I'm getting the bottom line. So what would be your recommendations to stay healthy in our older adult year? Just general things about what we should do more of or maybe less of. Yeah. So I would say, you know, definitely trying to maintain a healthy weight, eating a good variety of foods as tolerated and as you can, you know, afford in terms of brightly colored uh, fruits and vegetables, um, plenty of, of lean protein, whether that's meat, chicken, fish, or plenty of legumes, beans, lentils, things like that, tofu, okay? Um, definitely getting enough water. Older mm. adults, some definitely do not hydrate enough. Um, maintaining your muscle mass. So whether that's walking or yoga or Tai Chi, or whatever it is, all of these things are going to prevent the single most reason for older adults being in the hospital, which is falls. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, it's, yes. it's none of the other stuff. It's actually um, so maintaining. And that can be from being dehydrated, right? It can be in from being dehydrated. It can be loss of muscle mass, which can happen when you're not eating enough protein and you're not getting enough weight bearing exercise. So it's really a combination of things, Patricia. But I think I think you said, you really said it, a lot of it is paying attention, prioritizing your own health. Sometimes you gotta create boundaries. You've got the grandkids, you've got the kids, you've got your volunteer work, you've got maybe some part-time work. And 
in a, in a, I would really encourage people, especially at this time in your life, to prioritize your own health. Pay yeah. attention. Okay. Do what you need to do for you. Mm-hmm. It's self-care is not selfish. Yeah. Thank you so much, Beryl Henze. I really appreciate you being on the program. And Beryl Henze is a registered and licensed dietitian in the outpatient nutrition department of South Coast Health. And again, thanks so much, Beryl. Positive Aging with Patricia Raskin is produced by Rhode Island PBS and made possible in part by Cochlear, Greenwood Credit Union, Bama Companies, and Balancing Life's Issues. For more information, please visit ripbs.org slash positive aging.